Here oh, yeah. we oh, yeah. go uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. again. Okay. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate and John. And John, today we will recap UFC Fight Night, Vicente Luque versus Rafael Dos Anjos. And also, John has a little UFC 292 challenge for me mm-hmm. that we're going to call Show Us Your Tweets. <laughs> and finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more, including Bellator 300. Mm-hmm. Is this the end? Question mark. Right. Derek Lewis's future, Conor McGregor update, and so, so much more. Big news for the week. Mm-hmm. Or big week for the news excuse mm-hmm. me uh but first john how are we doing episode 146 of the neon belly podcast doing good man it's a i've seen a, a very interesting sign on my way here that i feel like you should be like friends with a, a, somebody in the neighborhood it said i'm a union member boilermaker okay so i feel like that's somebody you should be friends with just figure I'd let you know that. And that how's that's addition? pretty specific. Are we talking like a Purdue Boilermaker <clears throat> or like an actual Boilermaker and he's just a part of the Boilermaker union? See, based on the color scheme of the sign, I felt like we're talking about Purdue here. But <clears throat> he might also be interesting if he's an actual Boilermaker is what I'm getting yeah. at. So. That would be very interesting. <clears throat> I think uh, off top, we have to remind everybody that this Friday, August 18th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard, we will be doing our live UFC 292 pre-fight show, The Kickback. Yes, sir. Uh, this is our live show that we do the night before every UFC pay-per-view on MMA Underground YouTube, the the MMA Underground YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Woo, I'll get it together, man. It's, <laughs> it's been a busy morning. Uh, we run through the whole main card, uh, give our final thoughts, picks, predictions, all that. Uh, come hang out. Get in the live chat. Let's talk about fighting um, and these fights specifically. Uh, but we always leave it open for anything. You know, It mm-hmm. doesn't have to just be UFC 292 related. Um, we're down to talk about whatever as long as it's fights. I guess you know if you want mortgage advice, we could probably talk that too. Yeah. Stocks, yeah, crypto. We'd love to, to talk at the end with more people. Sometimes people kind of cut out, but we'd be happy to stay on and, and talk about other MMA stuff or combat sports in general. Absolutely. And um, one of the coolest things we get to do, you know, it's slowly become, uh, you know, we only do it before pay-per-views uh, because it's, it, it takes a lot to get ready for these. Right. Um, and working for full-time jobs, doing a weekly podcast, here on our own um it's just not conducive enough <laughs> like, right there's just too much it's just not realistic i'll say better word uh for us to uh do it on a weekly basis right mm-hmm. especially just before fight nights it's just right. not not worth it right now mm-hmm. um so when we do get to do them though we make sure they count we make oh, it yeah. worth it worth it they're getting bigger every single one we've seen you know an uptick in interaction and uptick mm-hmm. in people we're seeing people come back like you know like yeah. that are staying in the chat which we love uh we're starting to get to learn and know some people and stuff so that's been really fun as well um never too late though to come hop in and join the party let's yeah, do it and for all night. of our uh, all the people who come early there's going to be a new selectman of beats playing in yeah. the beginning I'm, I'm bringing a new soundtrack for this time so yeah show up have fun with us man yeah and for the record like i guess just kind of putting like we always keep things pretty open here we are this is something that we're considering as we move in um to you know 
the fall, possibly even winter months. We may be moving this to Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we haven't talked to, you know, Cody and, and, you know, I don't think John Morgan would care, but, you know, we haven't talked to Cody about it mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that um, in terms of, like, how that could possibly work on the channel. Um, so we would need to get it okayed from them first right. to make sure that it doesn't interfere with anything else that they're trying to run or do. Um, but there is a chance that we might move it to Thursdays um, just because I know Friday nights, like we've talked about, are kind of tough over the summer. You know, yeah. people are out doing stuff family stuff so um we want to make sure that we get as many people as possible and maybe on a thursday night our thought is more people just be kind of sitting around chilling right might be more willing to hop on it um but that's not official like we mm-hmm. again we haven't even decided if we want to do it we have to talk to them first to see if it, we can do it on thursdays um but we'll just kind of see but um if friday night works for you make sure you jump in because yeah. uh, the more people that keep hopping in we won't need to move the day we'll exactly. just keep, we'll just keep it as <laughs> is uh but just you know to help it grow a little bit we thought mm-hmm. maybe thursday would be a little bit better uh john let us get into this episode but before we do rate sub follow let the people know what we asked them All to right. do each every- and every week everybody listening whether it's spotify apple podcast wherever it is um most of these things give you an option to give us a five-star rating that helps us out a ton if you're on apple podcast you can leave us a review we love to read them it helps push us into algorithms on social media neon belly podcast on ig tiktok youtube we post a lot of content there neon belly pod on twitter um yeah we're just trying to get spread out as much and, and kind of get our name out so more people can come and we can do more and have a little bit more um to put into this so definitely come out to those places like he said we'll be on the uh, mma underground on friday on their youtube but we also put stuff on our youtube as well so come out and show some love yeah throwing those clips up and that's another thing like we even talked about is uh we might start doing uh content like youtube actual youtube videos mm-hmm. week of the pay-per-views um I will say this. I will just about guarantee, and this is on our Neon Belly uh, right. YouTube channel, I because I have the idea for the first one. So I would just about guarantee for the next UFC 293 fight week, uh, we'll have a fun little video um, that we're going to put up on our YouTube. You know, we'll probably try to put it into a clip format as well mm-hmm. um, for social media and stuff. But you'll definitely want to make sure you're tapped into our YouTube and make sure you're tapped into MMA Underground as well. Um, you know, I have content up over there. You know, getting to work with them has been awesome. Um, I just this past week had an interview with uh, Clay Collard go up uh, PFL. He was ranked number one right now from the season. Uh, he fights Shane Burgos uh, here in a couple weeks. So go check that out. I've got a, other interviews with John, you know, John Morgan's contents up there as well. So you can go watch his interviews and, and all that stuff. So make sure you tapped into the MMA underground. Again, you support them. That's supporting us as well. John, let us get to this past Saturday's UFC fight night recap. And in the main event, Vicente Luque. Defeating Rafael Dos Anjos via unanimous decision. And man, Luque has been in the wrestling room. Um, absolutely dominated RDA in the grappling and wrestling in this fight. Um, and RDA just seemed to have no answer, especially for that level change and then that far ankle pick mm-hmm. uh, that Luque was doing. And let me just add this in. I thought it was very interesting, at least from my perspective, right, that Daniel Cormier was <laughs> saying, like, this is so unconventional. This isn't something you see or it's not usual. Um, and I would say come to Gaha 
uh, in Kokomo, Indiana, because Kyle Thomason is doing this on the daily, son. Like, yeah. This is like the Kyle special, right? Getting guys on the wall, uh, level changing, and going for that outside ankle, kind of pulling it under. Um, at least he does it to me a lot. Uh, and I feel like Jacob teaches it, too. Like, yeah. This is something we drill, like, even just in jiu-jitsu, right? We've worked on it uh, when we do. Because sometimes, um, you know, when we have guys with fights coming up, Jacob will cater our no-gi classes more mm-hmm. to MMA-style stuff, which is fun. It's good for everybody. Right. Um and I mean, hey, there is jujitsu matches that are in cages. You do well, see it and, sometimes. So. And not everybody's a wrestler, right. but you have to get takedowns. And I think you know, yeah. from DC, it's probably coming from a from a wrestling room. You're yeah. not seeing this. But. I just thought it was very weird. Yeah, I thought it was very odd that he said it's not something that he's really seen. When I feel like, just from our perspective, like I said, mm-hmm. Kyle's hitting this all the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, but last week, you know. I feel like if we showed the stats, just the stats, result, result, and scorecard from this fight, right? So five round, the winner got five, you know, it was five round fight. The winner had eight takedowns, 12 minutes of control. You would have guessed it was RDA winning this fight, yeah. right? Um, and one thing we had discussed last week for Luke was how much time he had taken off after being finished by Jeff Neal for the first mm-hmm. time in his career. And I said, I actually liked the time off because it would give him time to recover, make improvements, right? Grow a little bit as a fighter. Um, and the improvements clearly was in the wrestling mm-hmm. um, and I think that was a great addition by Luke to his game to add that little wrinkle and something that was missing you know because maybe he was becoming a little bit one dimensional there um, and then having it be so successful as well against someone like RDA that can't be understated as well mm-hmm. you know it's not like he went out there and out wrestled a guy who historically has struggled in this area or like you know I can't think of anybody off the top of my head but you know maybe like if he went out and did it to Wonder Boy right we'd right. be like well yeah like yeah. you're gonna do that to Wonder Boy but to do it here in a spot against a guy like RDA who's always tough he was actually the favorite to win this fight I don't know if you knew that but RDA was the betting favorite heading into this fight um great performance by Vincente Luque man mm-hmm. again I know you know you look at Corey Sanhagen last week's main event right and then you're looking at Luque and that probably not what fans want to see over five rounds but man was it effective and again I just cannot believe RDA had no answer for that far outside ankle grab well and you kind of took the the angle I was going to go with is this is another tale of last week where you had a guy who was very successful in a division yeah then he ran into a grappler that he couldn't deal with someone like a Bilal or somebody like that where it's like yeah. oh this guy's doing something to me that I don't have an answer for or even in a Jeff Neal fight where you, you hey like I'm a striker I'm getting pieced up here right. and to not be able to go to anything else because you know you're wrestling or whatever just isn't on that level mm-hmm. to, to feel comfortable enough to shoot level change dude there was points in that fight where um rda was starting to get off with the hands a little bit right and luke was almost pulling him in like letting him back himself up to the cage just to try to bait RDA into level changing or initiating over-unders mm-hmm. or, you know, even there in the fifth, RDA was really getting on him towards the end and he just, like, pulled guard, essentially, right? right? So yeah, Well, and, you know, one thing we didn't talk about for an angle for this fight is Luke had a hemorrhage on his brain after the Jeff yeah. Neal fight. Yeah. So there was – some people don't come back from that. Like, there's yeah. been boxers that get that and they're in, like, a vegetable state. Like, yeah. they're – you know, that's a scary thing. So it was a scary beating that he took. Yeah. I mean, that was a whew. so for him to come back and then, you know, that might also have been a part of this like change of of uh, you know, formula for him, sure. like, hey, maybe don't show this chin off, maybe show off this wrestling, this ankle pick, because you know, RDA isn't somebody with like scary power, mm-hmm. but he can pile it on you and mm-hmm. really, you know, punish you if you let him. So it's tough for everybody. So. Yeah. But I do think the one of the biggest thing for me is RDA looked like he was fighting a real welterweight and wasn't big enough yeah. for it. Up against the cage, he really couldn't offer much. He was trying to do those Kimuras, but yeah. they really weren't he wasn't strong enough to pull him out to kind of transition away. So mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think that's kind of the problem. Like, I think RDA almost has that, like, Kevin Lee syndrome a mm-hmm. little bit where it's like he almost has been. I mean, it's hard to say because he became a champion, right, mm-hmm. um, at lightweight. Um, so, or, yeah, lightweight, right? Am I tripping? Mm, was it Why do we I beat Pettis? Yeah, why am I tripping? Why did I just completely blank on that? That's crazy. Um, but anyways, while you're looking it up, um, to become a champion, but I feel like, and I even said it last week, welterweight has never been his better division. It, it is lightweight champion yeah. because he's never, uh, welterweight, he kind of always, once he gets to this spot or this level of talent, these are the kind of guys he doesn't typically beat, you know, mm-hmm. historically. Um, and it just hasn't really Colby worked. Colby yeah, when he lost Col- the welterweight belt. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, guys like, yes, Colby, Usman, uh, Leon, Kiesa, right? These are all guys mm-hmm. um, that he's lost to. So uh, it, it just never really panned out for him at this upper level um, of welterweight. And I do still feel like Vincente Luque uh, was at that level. So mm-hmm. I thought his jab looked really nice. Yeah, I just, I, I here's one thing I will say. I think we did see the imp- an, imp- an, an improvement from Luque. Um, as I mentioned, I didn't think it would be in the wrestling, though. I actually thought, given the nature of the Jeff Neal fight, that we would see improvements, or the improvements would be more in the defensive striking department. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Luque at times has been a guy who has just relied a little too heavily on his chin. And I think that's what got him in trouble in that Jeff Neal fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and no pun intended, but Neal kind of cracked that code, right? Um, and was able to finally put him away. Um, and after last night, I feel that is something that still seems to be a bit of concern for me for mm-hmm. Vincente Luque. Um, and that's not to take anything away from him, but he was getting hit a lot by RDA. Like he was wincing when he was getting hit with big right hands and, and I, stuff. Yeah, and I think as he now gets back into facing the top talent in this division, that could prove to be a big problem for him. <sighs> yeah. I mean, there is some killers at this division and I just really worry for a guy like him that uh you can't stop start just standing in front of some of these people and, and not mm-hmm. getting your head off the middle and getting pieced up man you yeah, know you don't want to run into a shavkat or somebody like that and you can't move your head or you can't take punches the same yeah um but like you said though you know if that is something that's still a, a, a little bit of an issue as far as being able to take that damage this wrestling pickup into his game is going to be exactly what he needs to try to stifle some of that yeah still can't believe i forgot rda or didn't forget but blanked on rda well i think he just he's moved up and down champion. so much that it's you know it's kind of hard to remember where he was at yeah i just i should have known that it just like completely blanked well i was think what what confused me was i hit the robbie lawler win and mm-hmm. i'm like oh was that when robbie was champion and that got him but i was but then i was instantly went back to last week i remember talking about how he just never really quite beats the upper echelon mm-hmm. of it and i think now that brings his welterweight division to right at or just below 500 and yeah it's just it's just not his division man yeah. but it sounds like 55 is just a grind and especially at his age i'm sure and I don't really know what that means, you know, for entirely for a guy like RDA moving forward. Um, it's just going to be a tough, I don't know what he does. Well, this ain't know? a time for the welterweight division to be a small welterweight. There's a yeah. time where you can be a small guy in a division, at different divisions, where it's like, oh, yeah, well, the top guys are around that, so you should be fine. This isn't that time. As far as what could be next for Luke, that's interesting as well. You know, there isn't many guys above him who are um, free 
mm-hmm. his teammate Gilbert Burns is without a fight right now, but I don't think that would be um, that would they, I don't think they would fight without a title on the line, kind of like much like with Usman and Gilbert, right. right? I think that's the only way that they would even consider that. Uh, Shavkat and Wonderboy don't have fights, but I'd assume their situations will be figured out before Luke is ready to go. Um, so their timelines to me don't really make sense, especially hearing uh, Luke was transported to the hospital last night. Um, it sounds like it wasn't anything serious, just more like a precautionary thing given the brain hemorrhages and all that right. stuff. They just, you know, that was a it was a five-round war. And like I said, he got pieced up, man. He, he mm-hmm. was taking some big shots and can't stress enough as well. That does worry me for Luke moving forward, especially with the brain stuff. And um, yeah, he's going to have to work on that defensive striking, man, big time. Yeah. Um, Jeff Neal also is above Luke in the rankings, um, but he's now injured, right? Just right. pulling out of the Ian Gary fight, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, so, you, But you probably wouldn't do that rematch right now anyways. Mm-hmm. Sean Brady is injured. Um, so depending when Luke is ready to go, maybe Brady will be too. Right. You know, there's a chance that could make sense and those could ma- uh, match up. Kevin Holland is just behind him, but Holland has implied this week that he's already signed for a fight or he's about to he or something to be like that. Again. Yeah, so, you know... I. Yeah, I don't know, man. Luke may just have to kind of chill for a sec and let things play out, which given where he is in his career and stuff like that and, and the history and where, you know, maybe some time doesn't hurt a guy like Luke and he mm-hmm. should start taking a little bit more time between fights anyways. But, yeah, there's that's kind of going to be a theme here as I think a lot, of, you know, we're just, there's just so many fights that, guys, it's like people are booked up and it's like if you want to look up in the rankings, you're going to have to wait a little bit, man. Well, and this was a fight where you're going against a guy who's not even ranked in your division yeah. So there is a little bit of, you know, even if he would have starched him in the first round, there I mean you could give him somebody available who's up, but it's not like if he bought if he beat a guy who was one above him like oh, you know, maybe there's some room there. Yeah. Um if he if he does want to keep fighting and none of them guys are up there um that want to take that fight or or aren't booked, I wouldn't mind seeing them giving Jack Della a shot against somebody ranked higher like that in like a Luke. Yeah, I don't know, man. The tough thing with that is, again, Jack's a guy where I know he wants to be on that Sydney card. It doesn't look like they're going to find him anybody. Um, but he's probably, I don't know, it just depends how long Luke is going to yeah, be out. Yeah, for you sure. Know, that's kind of the tough thing in, in timelines. So really, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's not like a clear cut. Right. And coming off a five-round fight like that, he's we're just going to have to wait and see for Luke, I think. Mm-hmm. In our co-main event, Cub Swanson defeating Hakeem Dawadu via unanimous decision. Um, an unpopular opinion alert, alert, but I actually agreed with this decision. Yeah. Um, a lot of people not happy about this decision. Um, here's how I scored it while watching it, because um, that's what I do. I'm constantly making I just score it as I'm watching it. So mm-hmm. this isn't like after the fight, I'm trying to be controversial, right? This is genuinely going to the scorecards how I had it. Um, I gave Cub round one and three, which two of the judges did. Um, I, felt, I felt in round one, he landed the bigger and more damaging strikes. He had Dawadu stung at one point mm-hmm. pretty good. Had him kind of rocked and wobbled days a little bit. Um, I just felt Cub was just landing more effective strikes in that round. Um, and then the reason I gave him round three is it was a super close round. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he did get the takedown, transition to the back, and threaten to choke there at the end. Um, to me, that was not just one thing to get the takedown, but that was effective grappling because he was mm-hmm. actively transitioning. He spent some time in mount there as well. Going, I think he went for head and arm at one point, and it kind of transitioned to the back. Um, 
And let me say, this is by no means like I feel great about it. It was a mm-hmm. super, super close fight. Um, I did think Dawadu clearly won round two as well. So how one judge scored that for Cub was crazy to me. Right. Because um, it was unanimous, but two of the judges gave him one and three, and then one judge gave him two and three. I don't know how you look at round two and give that to Cub. That was just really good striking by mm-hmm. Dawadu. Um, but how did you score and feel about the decision? I, I felt like it was close. I actually had Dawadu two and three. Um, because I felt like the first, you know, two quarters of, um, or the first three quarters of like the third round, I thought Daiwudu was landing two or three to Cubs one, and it was a very close. And yeah, just Cub was just more effective. The striking, he was just landing the beginning, just kind of the bigger strikes. It was the volume versus the power, right. which we've talked about that before in the third round, and that's why. When he got that takedown, I was like, okay, you know, this is this doesn't suck for Cub right now. Um, but then to do the transition, I mean, he was that that essentially was the closest the fight ever was to being finished this whole mm-hmm. time. Maybe you could argue the first round when he kind of stung him really hard, but he never went down, right? right. You know, he just kind of wobbled Dawadu for a minute. Um, so I felt like the fact that that was the closest to finishing the fight, mm-hmm. how I see it or judge it, or I feel like we're made to believe how they're scoring mm-hmm. it, I did have it one to three for Cub. Yeah, one I, and three for Cub, so yeah, 29 I, I definitely thought it was probably one of the better, like... Um, like the comeback in that second round for Dawadu was really big. Yeah. I thought his striking looked really well. Like as far as the volume, like throwing more combos. Um, Cub is just very crafty. He's he's not easy to yeah. track down. And I thought Cub, especially, you know, in that third, using that takedown was big. I thought a little bit more time it would have been interesting. Obviously, with Dawadu be able to get back on top before the round ended. Um, didn't get a chance to land anything big, obviously, because he turned into from the choke. But um, yeah, I think that. I'm not mad at Cub winning this at all, but for like me, I'm like for my picks. Obviously, I was like, man, Dawoodu did have a pretty good, a pretty good set, or the third round, the first half of it, and then Cub kind of started settling in. So that's why it was a little bit closer for me. But I thought one was Cub, two was Dawoodu for sure. And that, and the thing is, though, I think that's where it gets frustrating. Where it's like we've got to stop just saying the word robbery, though. Like, yeah. and I feel like there's that 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 word is just getting thrown around so much, and you know, a lot of it I think is because. There was such a conviction on commentary of who was winning the fight. Well, I Cub think, thought like, he lost it first. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. And I mean, even DC, um, I think, was like, "Oh, you know, that's a three-zero. You know, he thinking it was like thirty twenty-seven. And um, I just feel like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I that word robbery just really rubs me the wrong way yeah. a lot because it's like you can't call a close fight a robbery. Like again, they could have said Dawadu's name, and I would have been like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Even though I didn't score it that way, right? Because every round was so close. So. I just think we need to ease up on that word a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the fight itself, I said last week for Cub to win, he needed to get this fight down um, and that he should avoid getting into a technical striking match with Dawadu. Um, and for large portions of the fight, especially in round two, Cub did try to make it a technical strike or get in that like kind of mm-hmm. pit-for-pat striking battle. Um, the problem I felt for Dawadu was he didn't make Cub pay for it. Um, and again, a guy like Cub, you have to take your chances, right? When, right. when you get him kind of on the ropes or you're starting to have momentum shift in your way, you've got to find a way to finish a guy like Cub Swanson. Um, But then seeing Cub finally go to his wrestling at round three and seeing how easy that was Mm -hmm. was so frustrating because how do you watch Dawadu's fights and not see that as a big hole in his game um, and then look to exploit it? You know, that's kind of just beyond me a little bit. I was really shocked that it took him that long. Um, But kind of as he said in his post fight, you know, he puts a lot of pressure on himself. uh, So maybe that just wasn't what he wanted to do and felt like, you know, that pressure that he kind of, you know, and again, again, in his post fight, you know, his name and he feels like people expect a certain thing from a Cub Swanson fight. He just didn't want to take him down. But it's like, 
man, you're, you're getting up there though, Cub. Like that's a good way to yeah, kind of like we talk about guys, you know, transitioning their game late in their career. That'd be a great way for you to transition your career, your game and start using more of your grappling. Right. And you know, you also wonder, you know, sometimes with these veterans and stuff, they want to try to say, well, I want to see, I know my striking is good. I want to see how, you know, I do in this, but also, you know, you gotta be, like you said, you're getting up in age. There's no reason to take damage if you know you can take a guy down and get to your, you know, submissions. The grappling is still exciting because Cub isn't a type of grappler who lays and prays and holds people and stalls. He goes for finishes just like he was going for toward the end of the third. So, yeah, and I'm not sure what we see next for Cub. You know, I absolutely again just loved uh, that post fight speech, getting me in my feels on a Saturday night on my couch. You know, mm-hmm. uh, super heartfelt. Um, and he's just such a legend of the sport, man. Yeah. You know, and especially a le- and not just a legend in the sport, but even more so a legend for guys under 155 pounds going back to the WEC days. You know, mm-hmm. he's one of the early guys that really put those smaller weight classes on the map, in my opinion. You know, even me personally, I've been a huge Cub Swanson fan for since WEC. Because I was just drawn to him. You know, I loved his fighting style of watching him fight. Um, A part of me was kind of hoping. Uh, we would have gotten a retirement announcement. I mm-hmm. kind of thought maybe last night, you know, that was what he was kind of warming up to there, especially with the win, right? Um, but I think that's what kind of sometimes sucks about these Apex because you fights because you do wonder, you know, in this similar spot, in a co-main event or, you know, even on a main card, even if it is just a fight night, in a packed arena, fans going nuts, you know, to get that kind of hero's send-off or whatever, mm-hmm. he may have called it quits, you yeah. know? Um, I just It just really bums me out that... You know, here he is in front of like 50 to 70 people in an apex venue. And we've talked about it. Like, I, I wish I had it on the soundboard, but that is, he's not real. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you like, I don't even know if these people are, I, I don't know they're if they're all NPCs, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know if these are even real fans. I don't know if they're real people. Like, I don't even like, it's weird. Yeah, I feel like some of them guys like win the seats like in a blackjack game or something. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like yeah, there's a guy on the I've I've sent you guys that like joke I made like a Dana White thing, but it's like it's like yeah, just a guy on the street comes up to some like people on the Vegas strip like you guys want to go see some free fights tonight, <laughs> right. you know, and it's like yeah, like, yeah. I and, don't know. And you know, it's tough too because, you know, Cubs not in a situation where we've seen some of these guys where it's like, oh, you have nothing to offer, you know, this upcoming talent because he does. But it's like if you're not, you'd have to be okay with not pursuing a title or big fights. And I don't know if that's where he is, but I agree. I think the apex thing just takes away so much. Um, for somebody like him, like yeah. I feel like somebody like him, you should be booking him in his like hometown or stuff like that, yeah. and to bring people instead of something like this. Yeah, it's a bit frustrating. Um, got to be frustrated as well for a guy like Hakeem Dawa doing a spot again, big spot. Um, and I said it last week, man, and this is a guy that for a long time you really thought, okay, this guy's gonna be probably a future contender. He was ranked. Um, now he's lost two or three in a row. You know, he's lost here to Cub Swanson in a fight that you know. He was the betting favorite, and you know people had him as the favorite. Um, it's it's gonna be a tough spot, man, for Dawa. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I do think he's gonna get another shot, obviously, in the UFC. But you know, missing weight in that last fight with Arosa, and then kind of didn't have the best performance, and then losing here, even though it was close. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, he's gonna. I, I, his next fight's gonna be very important. I'll say that he's thirteen and four, yeah. and 
he's lost, you know, three of his last four, but that's, you know, dude was 13 and one letting into this streak. Like, um, you, you may, maybe there's like a a camp change or something like, cause you know, the talents there, you can look at the rest of his record and the people he's beat and say, Oh, I think the the talents there, I think the striking talents there again. I don't know why we're not seeing that finishing power that he's shown at times, Mm -hmm. you know, just that one punch power. Um, Definitely need to see some improvements, I think, from him still on the ground. That takedown from Cub, even a guy like Cub, was just a little too easy, yeah, right? Um, right on the hips. Yeah, he's going to have to work on that as well, I fear. Um, but, I, I mean, we'll see, man. People are turning their careers around all the time. You just got to be willing to make those changes, it seems like. Do you think moving up would do anything for him, or you think no, he's too small? Probably too small. Yeah, because yeah. I guess and my maybe, thinking is if he with, has trouble with the weight cut, and the power's not showing up as much as you'd like. Maybe going up helps that. But no, I think th- and moving up to 155 pounds would be a nightmare for him because that's it's true. just wrestler yeah, city. That's true. I mean, we, we Hakeem Dawdy versus Armand Saruki and like, yeah. come on, man, it's not even going to be for sure. He's going to have to just work on that wrestling, you know, and keep just keep getting better. I know it's cliche and boring, mm-hmm. but you got to be willing to address that stuff, man. Right. Or it's just not you can't compete at this level. Yeah, because if you if you stuff that takedown in the third, yeah. You know, you probably you probably pull off Definitely that third a lot easier. Yeah. It would have been a still a close round, could have went either way, but yeah, it would have probably left a little bit more. You take like, away a statement from the round. So. Absolutely. Next fight, cover your ears, John. Khalil Roundtree defeats Chris Dawkins via first round knockout. Roundtree sending a dong shot straight down the middle, baby, right down the pipe. Uh, and just flatlines Chris Dawkins here. Um, and I thought this was just a very impressive outing, outing by Roundtree, um, who has now won four straight fights. He's finished three of the last four. Um, and before this streak, John, he was on a – he had lost, excuse me, three of his four fights. His last mm-hmm. four before before these four win streaks, his last four before that, he had lost three of the four. Um, and was almost beginning to look like a guy who may fizzle out and yeah. kind of fade out of this, you know, maybe even out of the promotion. Um, yet here he is on this win streak and starting to look like a guy, I think, that is not only looking like a future contender, but the guy coming off the ultimate fighter. I think a lot of us were really high on him, right, mm-hmm. as fans, is like, oh, this guy's going to be legit, right? Um, man, what an impressive outing. But even more so, like, I'm impressed by this, but I'm really just impressed by every fight he's had in this four-fight streak. He just continues to get better, man. I mean, I, I would say by far the most violent guy, maybe in the UFC, let alone the division. Yeah. Like, when that guy starts unleashing ground and pound or just, like, he once he smells blood, it is one of the scariest things you've ever seen. If you go back to the Robertson fight, this dude's, like, on the ground trying yeah. to get up. He's, like, football punting him in the stomach, yeah. throwing hammer fists. Like, it's just... What was funny about that is I remember Connor McGregor. Like, mm-hmm. you know... How often do you think Khalil Roundtree crosses Conor McGregor's, you know, uh, wavelengths, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, but I remember Conor tweeting out, like, how impressed he was by that. And he's like, that's just such an underutilized technique in the UFC. And he even Conor was like, this is something I'm going to be working on. Like, you know, I mean, it was just, just nastiness, yeah. and, man. And, you know, we've been on him for a while because he was one of Anderson Silva's training right. partners. So once he did go on the Ultimate Fighter, I was like, oh, yeah. if this guy's standing in front of Anderson every day yeah. and, and good enough to continually be that guy, yeah. you know, we're going to have to see. But like you said, this past four, and even like a, like the split decision with Dustin Jacoby looks a lot better now right. because Dustin Jacoby's he's been on the Streak that he's on so well and what sucks for Khalil is kind of he's in a similar spot of what we just talked about last week for Dustin Jacoby and that is almost everybody above him is booked right now right mm-hmm. um excuse me but that was terrible I just pulled a John there 
Uh, but unlike Jacoby, here's the thing. I didn't say this before. Went to brunch literally right before I came. So I'm full of like coffee, <laughs> orange juice, and gravy. <laughs> so right. I'm like trying to keep it together. And with no Brandon here, we're doing a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unlike Jacoby, uh, I think Roundtree, and, which worth mentioning, as John just said, Roundtree does have a win over Jacoby. So that does put him above Jacoby, in my mm-hmm. opinion, in the priority in terms of who gets the next big fight. Um but I think Roundtree could you could justify giving him a bigger jump in competition because mm-hmm. of that. Um, and the only guy available at this time that I can even think of is Nikita Kroilov. Yeah. Um, and that may seem like a a reach, kind of maybe too big. But I don't see who else you give Khalil right now. You know, it was a quick finish, so you may be able to work him in as a rate, late replacement if somebody gets injured in one of these bigger two hundred five fights coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, man, Kroilov may be it. Yeah, right Dominic. I think Dominic Reyes is the only one who's not scheduled outside of that. Well, but we said him for Jacoby, and it's right. like. I don't even know where Reyes is in terms of wanting to fight. You know, mm-hmm. it sounded like he was going to retire, and, you know, I haven't heard anything. Right. I even tried to look that up, I think, last week, and there's just nothing on it. Right. I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, if you're Roundtree, too, like, you take that opportunity if you get it. Like, I don't think he's one of those, I want a slow build. It's right. like, you know, I did have a, a little bad streak, but now I'm four in a row and looking the best he's ever looked. Scary. I don't know how many guys are going to sign up to fight him, especially when you see him, you know, kicking guys' knees in and stuff it's like that. It's just the technique, man. Yeah. Just, and he was so poised and calm and patient. I really, I hated that, like, little, like, slapping th- thing that he was doing with his right hand because I just, like, I just don't really see what you're doing there, but... Man, maybe it was something that worked. When a guy has a toolbox like that, you just assume. I, yeah, I mean, it seemed to do something. I don't Breaking know. Breaking down just, the muscle or dude, something. They just kind of reset, and he just kind of was like, yeah, like this is almost like he was just ready to be out of there, right? Mm-hmm. He just like kind of reset and then walked right at Dawkins, and I think he fainted something. He fainted the right, and I think he came down the middle with the left. But, man, what a just beautiful uh, finish there. I, I actually watched it like three or four times last night in slow-mo. Just a mm-hmm. really nice technique. Um, and on the flip side, man, uh, this fight is pretty tough for a guy like Dawkins as he now drops to four straight losses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't working at heavyweight. He tried to drop down here to the light heavyweight, um, and it just didn't work out. I mean, I just feel like that's got to be such a scary place to find yourself at this stage in his career. Yeah, four knockouts in a row. Yeah. I mean, granted, these aren't people who are like slouches in that department. I mean, these are all sure. power guys. But the problem is, you know, at heavyweight and light heavyweight, they're almost all power guys. Well, the weight was the biggest concern for him. And I think yeah. that's why he dropped down because he's like, look, I'm giving up so much weight and the power and this and that. But, man, he just got you know, slept by a 205-er, you know what I mean? Jeez. So His whole career is literally just either getting knocked out or knocking out, except for yeah. one decision. That's just kind of the, the way he goes, but that's a dangerous game when you get into these heavier weights. Yeah, again, kind of almost like an RDA thing, man. It's like he's just a man between, you know, maybe two divisions, two weight classes, but I didn't think he looked terrible at 205, you know, right. and he definitely seemed like the bigger guy as well. As soon as I saw them together, I'm like, ooh, this might be a rough one for Roundtree because Dawkins looks so much bigger mm-hmm. to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, but Roundtree just built like an action. Well, figure. and then you know we don't we haven't brought it up a lot since you know talking about him earlier. But Roundtree used to be huge. Yeah, you know he's kind of made his way down to this two hundred five too. So. Yeah, so don't know what is going to hold for Dawkins next. Uh, John, he might not be there for you in the news anymore. I don't know. You're <laughs> gonna have true. to. You might just have. We might have to do like a monthly Dawkins update. I mean, Kyle might still be around, so I don't know. No, he's in CFFC now. 
Well, maybe out there when he gets put into PFL or something. I don't know. Maybe he's the next one for Francis. Who knows, man? That's all we're going to cover. I don't know if you had any other results. I will say uh, this is a card that started off with a bang. You know, we went seven straight fights with seven straight finishes. Didn't get our first decision until the main card kicked off between Josh Fremd and Jamie Pickett. Um, I will say one that stood out for me. I was blown away by the performance of Yasmin Lucindo over Pollyanna Viana. Mm -hmm. Um, And at 21 years old, they said that she's the youngest female on this roster and I think it's interesting to see such a poised and mature performance from a 21 year old um, especially after our talk a couple weeks ago about how we're starting to see a shift um, or signs maybe that the sport is getting a bit younger and how we're seeing these young fighters climbing the ranks faster and having these really impressive mature performances um, and yeah Yasmin Lucindo here just really really she gotta watch out for this girl oh, I mean I man. think she's gonna be tough and I mean Pollyanna Viana I mean she's you know She's been around for a while, like, right? You know, so I mean, that was going to be a tough fight for a twenty-one-year-old, regardless. But man, just impressed. And, and to get onto this main card and show out um, on the prelims, I did have three people. I just want to shout out real quick: Marcus McGee. I, I like him, man. Oh here's man, a, here's the thing: I, I actually was texting my buddy Dorman last night about McGee, and I said I like him. I just don't know what the ceiling is. Yeah, I feel like we've seen his our age, just kind of just I, jumping into things. Yeah, and I just feel like we've seen a lot of McGees and like they just don't really ever get to that next level but I like him man I dude, like eight him fights, a lot all not or you know all his wins are he's knockouts fun dude he's fun I like him um him obviously T-Rex Terrence McKinney bouncing back. back he needed that um he just I mean started utilizing some different things instead of just head hunting going to the body yeah. got a nice finish and then Damon Blackshear getting the third, only the third twister ever in UFC history yeah. against a guy that we've known on, we knew on an amateur circuit back when our buddy Damien was yeah, fighting. They were supposed to fight. Yeah. So um, it's just kind of crazy to see. I mean, obviously you've only seen three ever in the UFC. I'm telling you what, man, Damon Blackshear um, has been a guy that I've been really excited for. He, uh, CFFC mm-hmm. uh, champion and usually guys that win that uh, Bantamweight, I believe he is, uh, championship. Mm-hmm. or But not just the Bantamweight, but usually guys, when they win CFFC belts, their next fights are in the UFC, and that's what was true for Blackshear. Um, you know, guys like Mayrob Dwalashwili, Anthony Smith, Aljo, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think Aaron Blanchfield. These, these fighters are coming out of CFFC. So when... You know, Demond won that title, I and then went to the UFC. Like you just know the kind of talent. So, Demond's another one. I'm glad you brought him up because just like uh, Yasmin Lucindo, look out for Demond Blackshear. I really think uh, the future could be really bright for yeah, him. Yeah, only as 29 well. has some fight experience against some big names: Danny yep. Sabatello, Pat Sabatini, yep. Chris Moutinho. So he's fought some yes. UFC uh, talent before. So yep. and then getting a submission like this, people aren't gonna let him start grabbing onto stuff now because yeah. you don't want to be the fourth twister. That's for sure. Quick update on our scores: uh, We'll say. Gave Brandon the chance to send me some picks. He never did. So mm. he gets a big fat zero goose egg. Um, I am still in first place, John, with 71. Mm-hmm. The It's getting ridiculous now. Yeah. I got one point for Luke A, and your boy called Cub Swanson by decision perfectly. So I get all three points mm. there, four total. Brandon's still in second place with 58. And, John, you got one point for Luke A with 53. Mm-hmm. You need a you need a big jump this week, man. Yeah, we got some we got a big pay per view. We got a pay per view, so uh, you need to get you need to get hot, man. Yeah. You're gonna start losing it. Well, that's what sucks because if Dawood gets a decision, I'll at least get two points there. But obviously, close decision. I've I've got a couple of those, so I just got to get a. Uh, 
get a little bit better on maybe calling some actual finishes to try that, to make up some points. That's big. So that was one thing I started noticing last year when I was like, man, I'm falling, I'm falling, but I'm picking the fights right. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the winner. But And I was going and I'm listening, and I was going through my picks, and I'm like, because I, I was in last for a while, and I was decision, 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 mm-hmm. decision, decision. And I'm like, no, you got to start taking some chances right. and try to really start figuring. You know, well, with these big pay-per-views, there's, I mean, a lot of these guys that are fighting are big-time fighters, so I'm definitely going to take a couple shots in the dock. Now, let us get to our game, John. Okay, well, I say game. So this was supposed to be me versus Brandon. Uh, Brandon not here today. Uh, so we're going to kind of switch it up a little bit, mm-hmm. um, the format of it a little bit. So hopefully this works. If this is absolutely brutal and terrible we apologize yeah. like th- that was this was intended to be a back and forth uh between me and brandon um and we since we don't do our picks anymore on these mm-hmm. you know the before the pay-per-views we do them on the kickback we rely on these games so we yeah. have we have we have to do something here uh so john let us know show us your tweets yeah so show we- us your tweets essentially what i'm going to do is i'm going to read eight well unfortunately there's some news we'll talk about later with Cody Garbrandt being out, but he's still in the game because it happened yesterday. So um, essentially what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off eight tweets. So Nathan's going to put down a list of one through eight. I'm going to read them all off and he's going to have to place each fighter from the main card, except for Amanda Limoges and Zhang Wei Li, because they don't really utilize social media. So they didn't have any tweets available outside of maybe just like, Hey, I fight next week or, you know, whatever. Um, So I try to pick some funny stuff, some stuff that might be a little bit can um, just, like, oh, this dude tweeted this. What the heck? Um, so he's going to have to pick them, and then at the end, he'll get a chance to reshuffle if he feels like, you know, the first one was somebody who might have also been the eight. He'll have a chance to do that. That's kind of where the parody was going to be in the game sense of they could have had a little gamesmanship of trying to talk the other into putting somebody else's name. Sure. And then lastly, he'll read off his list, and I'll tell him how many he got wrong, how many he got right, and that'll be the points. So the fighters are the potential eight fighters are Aljo, Aljamain Sterling, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Sean O'Malley. Yes. Uh, and then we're going, who else? Tell me out. Uh, Ian, Gary, okay. Neil Magny, Cody Garbrandt, um, and Mario Batista, and then Cheeto Vera and Pedro Munoz. Okay, Magny, Bautista, Garbrandt, and who else? Uh, Cheeto and Pedro. Cheeto and Pedro. Okay. All right, I just want to make sure I had them in front of me. Okay, now some of these are going to have, um, I'm going to you know, kind of set them up a little bit. Some of them are just kind of random tweets that I thought were just hilarious. Uh, they don't really have much of a, a setup, but sure. it, it'll just be on you to determine if this guy is the type of person who would tweet that. So the first one we're going with is when asked how he would fare against a certain champ in a higher weight class, blank tweeted, I'd get KO'd in the first. So who's the type of fighter who would admit to this thing? Because a lot of these guys, you know, will say, you know, I could beat anybody if I get the chance. So that's number one. Okay. Number two, blank tweeted um, a picture of the opponent that they just beat with the caption, when you sign a fight with me, I take it personally and I make it my mission to make sure you know it was a bad decision. So he tweeted a picture of his opponent that he just beat with the caption, when you sign a contract to fight me, I take it personally and I make it my mission to make sure you made a bad decision. And this was their last opponent? Uh, this was just a opponent. Oh. This isn't necessarily their last one. It was uh, within their past two or three, but it was just the, this person, their tweet, that didn't really have okay. a lot of... Um, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Uh, this next person tweeted, 
Blank tweeted to Sean O'Malley, if you say you're undefeated, then why don't you rematch the guy that made you get carried out on a stretcher? If I go out, I go out on my shield. I don't have a bitch bone in my body. Unlike you, we are not the same. You will find out soon. This is number three? Yeah, this would be number three. Okay, got it. All right, number four. And for the record, I don't know if you said this, but we're going to go through them. Yeah. So I'm not going to guess as he goes because the point is I'm going to try to get all of them. Right. Right. So I I am writing my answers down as he goes, and then we'll go through them at the end. Right, and you'll get a chance to switch at the end if you feel like something's different. Yeah. Um, Next one. When asked, why are you so jacked but lack any knockout power, (laughs) Blank responded saying, I have it. I just don't want to break my hands. How am I going to wash my ass? Oh, dude. See, now that's tough because the one I just put for three, I feel like would say this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Somebody tweeted him saying, hey, man, why are you so jacked but you lack any knockout power? And he said, I have it. I just don't want to break my hands. How am I going to wash my ass? All right. I'm not going to write one for this. Yeah, that's fine. That's a tough one. That's that's kind of the, the strategy of this is you don't want to like completely be like, oh, this person for sure said it because as I keep reading, you can definitely yeah. switch it out. Uh, Blank tweeted this in response to the 2020 UFC game. He said, it disappointed me to be at a friend's house and their kids were playing the game. One of the kids wanted to be me, but I wasn't in the game. I've been in the top 10 for over two years. What's it going to take to get me in the game? Oh. Dang, I remember. I'm trying to. Oh. Dang it, dude. All right, go to the next one. Okay. Come back. Because I know, I remember that. I remember that was a whole big thing. Go okay, ahead. we got three more. Right. Um, Blank tweeted, I'm giving a $1,000 bonus to any fighter that lands a powerbomb tonight. <laughs> Dang it. These last ones get a little bit more, uh, a little bit tough, just because Gosh, man. they could be, I mean, because some of these people, we don't really know, like, Mario Batista's personality as much. That's, or, that's what I'm struggling. He's the one I'm really struggling or with. Or, like, Neil Magny. Like, he could say, like, anything. Even, like. Cody Garbrandt, he's a tough one. You just don't. He's such a wild card. Right. Okay, go ahead. Number seven. Uh, number seven. In reference to UFC Vegas sixty nine fight, blank tweeted, "Bring back the yellow and red cards, Pride FC style." I remember this too. Bring back the yellow and red cards, Pride FC style. Those were for like stalling, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Oh, who <laughs> said that? Five and five and seven, those ones make me mad because I specifically remember those, and I can't mm-hmm. go ahead. Okay, and then the last one, this was actually I, think I, I wrote I wrote one down for seven. I feel pretty good about it though. Okay, and for the last one, this was actually two tweets that were back to back, but okay. had to get put. So blank tweeted, "Who's sending the stream for Diaz versus Paul?" And then a couple minutes later, tweeted, "Sorry guys, I only buy UFC pay per views though." <laughs> So he was not trying to pay for Diaz versus Paul, but he does pay for uh, UFC pay-per-views, just so Dana knows. Ooh, dang. See, I just put who I put for seven, I feel like might be that. Well, I'm glad I did a good job on this game then, because if this was super easy. Okay, so read tweet number four for me again. Okay. One, two, three, four. When asked, why are you so jacked but lack any knockout power, Blank responded in saying, I have it. I just don't want to break my hands. I'm going to wash my ass. All right. I'm going to put this person for that one. Okay. What was five again? Okay. Five. um, When tweeted about the 2020 UFC game, he said, it disappointed me to be at my friend's house and their kids were playing the UFC game. One of the kids wanted to be me, but I wasn't in the game. I've been in the top 10 for over two years. What's it going to take to get me in the game? Now this is gonna make me mad because the one I just put for four, I feel like is that. 
Uh, all right, let's. And for the record, this probably it's probably a good thing that Brandon wasn't here because he doesn't read Twitter at all. Yeah, Brandon versus Twitter would be terrible. Yeah, but he might have been able to get some context. I hate this man. Okay, and then what was six? Oh, uh, he he tweeted, um, "I'm giving out a thousand dollar bonus to any fighter that lands a power bomb tonight." Well, it's funny because like there's some very polarizing personalities on this list, right? But then there's people who's just like, "Oh, you could tweet anything," because I don't really know. Can you read tweet number three again? Okay. Yep. This is tough, man. Three, three tweeted to Sean O'Malley. If you say you're undefeated, then why don't you rematch the guy that yeah. carried you out? Had you carried out in a stretcher? If I go out, I go out on my shield. I don't have a bitch bone in my body. Unlike you, we are not the same, and you will soon find out. Yeah, okay. I, I feel really good about my pick there. What was two again? Two was a picture of an opponent he just beat with a caption saying, when you sign a contract to fight me, I take it personally, and I make it my mission to make sure you know you made a bad decision. <sighs> okay, I'm going to have to... Dang it. And if this pops off, so for people listening, if this pops off, we'll do this as more of a visual game, maybe something we put on like our YouTube and stuff so we can like put it up so you guys can see it so you're not having to hear me read it over okay, and over I'm okay again, with moving off this. I'll just, this is a complete guess because I feel. You locking in? <sighs> yeah. Or do you need me to reread a couple? What was four? One more time, sorry. Okay, you're fine. One, two, three, four. When asked, why are you so jacked but lack any knockout power, Blank responded in saying, I have it. I just don't want no. to break my hands. How am I going to wash my ass? <laughs> no, there's no way that's this person. <sighs> Are you so jacked? And here's the other Can thing. Can you like, read eight one more? Oh, no, that was the... Eight was uh, the pay-per-view one. Okay, I'm getting... I'm Seven? Seven was uh, bring back the yellow red cards Pride FC style. Okay, let's just do this. Boom. And while you're doing that, you know, it's it, this is actually kind of tough because these fighters promo so much and have, like, sponsors, so you have to really dig through. All right, all right. I, I'm going to lock in. You locked I, in? I mean, I'm going to drive myself nuts. I'll sit here for an hour. Yeah, so, go ahead. So okay. out of eight points, how many How many do you feel good about? Three. Three? Okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so tweet one. This one I, I know I got right. Well, let me see your answers. No, you can just go okay. ahead and say it, and I'll tell you. Tweet who. one, Sean O'Malley. No, like read the tweet. And the I'll tweet. Tell you okay, the tweet was um, when asked if a certain champion in a higher weight class would, how he would fare against him. He said, "I'd get yeah. knocked out in the first. Yeah, I got, I, I got O'Malley. That was about Izzy. Yeah, yeah. Um, number two. Number two. Blank tweeted a picture of his opponent that he just beat with the caption: "When you sign a contract to fight me, I take it personally, and I make it my mission to make sure you know you made a bad decision." I put Aljo. Ian Machado. Guy. Oh, I, that's who I had. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, you can literally see the IMG in the thing. Oh my gosh, dude. It see, was. Um, now I just cooked myself. I think it was the person before he fought D Rod. This is why. This is exactly <laughs> why I should have just lost. I knew I was going to overthink it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> number three, Blank tweeted to Sean O'Malley, "If you say you're undefeated, then fight the rematch the guy who had you carried out in a stretcher. If I go out, I go out on my shield. I don't have a bitch bone in my body. Unlike you, we're not the same. You'll find out soon." I put Cheeto. Cody Garbrandt. Oh yeah. Okay. So I really screwed it because <laughs> there was one that I thought was Cheeto. Dang it. Uh, when asked uh, for number four, when asked why you're so jacked but you lack any knockout power, he responded, "I have it. I just don't want to break my hands. How am I going to wash my ass?" See, this is going to make me mad because so I had I switched Aljo and Ian 
Machado. So I had this for Aljo, but changed it yeah, to Ian Gary. It's Aljo. Oh, Nathan. <laughs> he had posted oh. a, a picture of him like super buff, swollen. Somebody commented and said that, and then he responded with that. Why did I do that? <clears throat> I literally, yeah. So I had IMG at two and Aljo here at four, and I switched them last minute. What yeah, it, it, it happened. Um, I knew I was going to overthink it. Tweeting about the UFC game, about being disappointed at a friend's house. Their kids wanted to play him as a game, but he wasn't in it. Um, he's been in the top 10 for over two years. What's going to take to get me in the game? This was bad. I, I, and, like, I'm sitting here now, and I don't know why it's clicking. It's probably Pedro, but I put Neil Magny. It's Pedro. I, I, like, I don't know what just clicked when you were reading it. Magny yeah. hasn't, and Pedro's been in the top three. Right. Nathan. <laughs> Hey, you know, it's, sometimes you get a little bit of pressure from the game. So the next one, uh, giving a $1,000 bonus to anybody who lands a powerbomb tonight. Who did you put? Garbrandt. It's Neil Magny. Yeah. Um, for the last two, in reference to bringing back the yellow and red cards, Pride FC style. I put Pedro. Mario Batista. Yeah. And then lastly, who's sending out the streams for Diaz and Paul? I put Batista. Sorry, guys. I only buy pay-per-views. That's Marlon Chito Vera. Ugh. So you got one, one. You got, <laughs> got Sean O'Malley. O'Malley, and it was the most recent. Yeah, I almost wasn't gonna put that one, but I thought for like, like for Brandon's sake, I think that I thought that maybe that would be one that'd be like, oh man, I don't know. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what makes me more mad? Like I knew it was gonna be hard. Yeah. But what makes me more mad is like the two that I sw- like switching Aljo and Machida, uh, Gary. That yeah. Makes me mad. That would that would have held up your three that you thought you got. That's and that's why I thought three. And then uh, when you reread the video game one, I was like, oh, that's got to be Pedro mm-hmm. by proxy. As I was going through them, the only ones that felt like as I was reading them, I was trying not to like like the Cody Garbrandt with like bitch bone in my body. Yeah. That's kind of something that he says. Yeah. And then. Um, I thought that the Machado one, I thought it was going to be a little bit easier because he does like these kind of Connor like epilogues when he yeah. says stuff like, if you fight me, you, you got to know that you made a mistake, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But that's show us your tweets. All righty, John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm, going on the news. Mm-mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. <laughs> All right, starting things off with the official main and co main event of UFC 293 in Sydney, Australia. We now know that the middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya, will be facing number five, Sean Strickland. Um, and that was an announcement that was made like right after we recorded the podcast last yeah, week. one of those ones. Um, now we also know the co-main event will be in the heavyweight division. Number six, Taito Avasa faces number eight, Alexander Volkov. Not a good co-main, man. Yeah. Like, great, great main card piece. Um I don't know what happened to this Sydney card. It seems like, you know, I don't know what their plans were originally, um, but kind of like me with that game right there, it's like they just <laughs> overthought it and yeah. it just got too out of hand and they had to scramble because, you know, like Ariel Hawani reported that uh, the UFC did not want to give Strickland the opportunity for whatever reason. It sounded like there was even some travel issues, you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that. So, um yeah, I, I feel really bad for these, you know, Sydney fans. I mean, here's the thing. They're still going to get Izzy in a main event and a fun fight. The buildup's still going to be fun. Um, but, man, what were what was our original fight? It was going to be Dreykus and Izzy, right? Yeah. And now we're here. You know, the co-main's not looking. I mean, that's your co-main? I thought it was going to be Kai Kara and Manel Kopp. I mean, and then, you know, like Jack Della, we don't think, it doesn't like he's going to be able to get a fight. I no, mean, I will say on this card is going to feature six city kickboxing fighters. Sure, so which if is always, you're, yeah, in that area. I mean, it always makes sense to put a lot of, you know, Australian Carlos guys on it, but. Olberg's on there. Oh, man, it's, 
Yeah, yeah. this, I don't know. I would just, I, I mean, I'm not being critical because I don't, I don't know. And I don't know what the situation is in terms of booking and availability and things like that. But yeah, this could not have been like what they were hoping well, for. Well, it's, it's kind of like we talked about with it. Tom Aspinall on the London card. This is the Izzy card and whoever else can fit in yeah, kind of is. Well, I f- here's who I think. I feel bad for Drekus, man, because if they even deem that like this was his fault even a little bit, yeah, they're not going to be very happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Past that, uh, in a press conference when asked about Connor, Dana White saying he will be fighting. And when asked if um, who they're looking for him to fight, he did say that he's still set to fight Michael Chandler, yeah. saying that Connor likes to play mind games with his opponent and potential future opponents by saying stuff like that. Doubling down on that news was Connor McGregor himself, as he was interviewed at the Anthony Joshua yeah. fight this past weekend. When asked about his fight plans, he stated that he'd be fighting in December against Chandler, yeah. then plans to challenge Gaethje for the BMF belt and then fight Nate Diaz for a trilogy. The trilogy. Fight. Hey, that's a great, you know, three fights for Connor. And here's what I'll say. Um, if Connor can find a way to do that and win those three fights, you know, say like, you know, he starts in December, you know, maybe gets through that, you know, does Justin mid March and then mm-hmm. maybe like Nate trilogy next international fight week on right. pay-per-view for the BMF belt. I mean, Hey man, if he can find a way to win those three fights, I mean, dude, Talk I'm, about a comeback. Yeah, it'd be a great comeback. Definitely deserving of a title shot if you beat Michael Chandler and uh, Justin Gaethje. I mean, mm-hmm. the Nate Diaz is just more like sprinkle something on top, right? right. But uh, it'd be a great three-fight run. It's, it, I guess as a Connor fan, I like hearing that he's at least thinking that far out. Right. Um, I just hope, you know, like we've heard Dana make the comments of like it's really hard to reel this guy in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope he stays focused. We've heard about... You know, last time he made his return, it was, you know, this is my season and I'm going to, you know, go all in and it just didn't happen. It didn't materialize, but he's got to keep himself out of stuff outside the cage. That's what slows everything down. Right. Um, Well, and I wonder if this is news to you, Sada, as well. Yeah, we saw the clarity of that. So there's their uh, Bellator announced the headliners for their Bellator 300 card. Mm -hmm. This card has an interesting tagline of it ends here. Yeah. Prompting some people to wonder if this will be the last card before the rumored sale of Bellator to PFL. Yes. But the tagline isn't the only reason to spark these thoughts is this card will feature four title fights. Liz Carmouche versus Alima Leigh McFarlane. Uh, Ryan Bader versus Linton Vassell. Yeah. Usman Nurmagomedov facing Brent, facing Brent Primus and Chris Cyborg versus Kat Zingano. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's John nailed it right there. You know, that's kind of the PFL buying Bellator has been rumored most of this year, especially over the summer. It's been mm-hmm. the biggest rumor. Um, the tagline of it ends here has got obviously when they released that, everybody was like, you know, kind of perked everybody's ears up a little bit. And yeah, man, they're stretching themselves thin here in terms of their champions. Like, it's going to be really hard to do many pay per views past this um, and have champions available. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's very, very interesting. I kind of am leaning a little bit more. I don't, I'm trying not to buy into it because it could be Bellator trying to have a little fun with it as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to be really putting all your champion, like, you know, four of your champions out there and, you know, some of the champions are already booked in fights like, um, uh, Fabian Edwards is going to be fighting, um, 
Uh, Eblin. Uh, yeah, yeah, Eblin. Josh. Jo- or is it Johnny, Josh? Johnny, Johnny Eblin, Eblin in know. Dublin. Yeah, so some of these guys are already booked. It's like, man. After, still Grand Prix yeah, finals. Yeah, it's like after 300, you're not really going to have many available champs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, very, very interesting. And then there was another part. Right. Uh, also, you know, to kind of feed into some of this, like, interestingness, Bellator, their light heavyweight champion, Vadim Nimkov, announced yeah. on social media that he's ready for a new challenge, so he's vacating his title to pursue the heavyweight division. So he's vacating his light heavyweight title. And here's what I find interesting about that. Again, kind of playing into that whole um, this is it for Bellator thing is if I'm Vadim Nemkov and I'm getting ready to be, we're getting ready to be purchased by the PFL, you know Francis Ngannou is sitting right mm-hmm. there, right, in that big $2 million payday. Uh, so part of me wonders if this is Vadim starting to posture himself a bit right um, for right. that Francis fight, which is super smart by Vadim's uh uh, on his part, I mm-hmm. mean, um, you know, being like a, a, a Fedor Milineko prodigy as well. You know, I think there's a little bit of a story that they can have fun with it a little bit. But yeah, uh, it, I don't know, man. So it's you got hard. four champions fighting, a champion vacating. Yeah, how wild would that be to uh, if Bellator goes out with a vacant champ, right? Right. I mean, I mean they won't, they probably wouldn't on paper, vac- you know, vacate right. until. They probably wouldn't vacate it, but yeah, I don't know, man. It just seems like everything's adding up to kind of make sense for mm-hmm. this big purchase. And for their light heavyweight division, you know, him, you know, you had Yoel losing recently. Corey Anderson's probably the only person who could yeah. probably fight for a vacant, but they don't really have a lot of storylines right. built in that division yet. Yeah. Um, more news in the Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk situation. Elon posted that their fight will be managed by their both of their foundations, not the UFC. Uh, live streamed on both of their platforms so everything in camera frame will be ancient rome so nothing modern at all also saying that he spoke with the prime minister of italy and the minister of culture saying that they agreed on an epic location which the rumored one first was the Colosseum. yeah which i don't even think you can get in there let alone actually fight there i thought dana said well yeah he the, had I, like I, meetings with him well, yeah, so Dana's now out, according to Right, but I'm Elon. saying, like, I thought yeah. Dana was even confirming that. Uh, Zuckerberg responded to that post in a post of his own, saying, I love this sport, and I've been ready to fight since the day Elon challenged me. If he agrees to an actual date, you'll hear it from me. Until then, please assume anything he says has not been agreed on. Then he said, "Not, I'm not holding my breath on Elon, but I'll share details on my next fight when I'm ready. When I compete, I want to do it in a way that puts a spotlight on the elite athletes at the top of the game, and you do that by working with professional organizations like the UFC and one FC to pull off this card well or pull it off well and create a great card. Yeah, shout out to Elon. Just pulling the rug right out from under the UFC. <laughs> well and then you see Mark trying to like steer it back. Yeah. But you've also seen you know Mark Zuckerberg's been training with official people. He's in like super shape. Like and obviously we know he's competed in jujitsu. So he, yeah. he still wants to fight somebody regardless. It just might not be Elon. Well literally right before we started, <clears throat> I saw Luke Thomas had like tweeted something that a guy that knows Elon said that Elon sent him a screenshot of him and Mark's like text messaging back and forth. So I don't know how true it was or real, but um, essentially like Elon was just trying to go fight Zuckerberg like Monday in his front yard. He's like, well, I'll just come to your house and we'll just do it in the cage. I haven't really been training. And he's like, outside of the stuff I did with Lex uh, Friedman, I haven't really been training much anyways. You know, we'll just do it in your front yard, in your cage. And like Zuckerberg's like, no, like if we're going to do it, like, you know, he's kind of like you said, he's trying to like, no, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it. You know, and like, seems like Elon's already starting to walk it back a bit. I Mm -hmm. think it's kind of probably taking on a life of its own that, 
maybe he wasn't completely ready for. Well, he might not have understood the personality of somebody like Zuckerberg has, where it's like, I do things yeah. legit. I, I try my hardest to do things because yeah. he's that successful. So it's like, wait a minute, you're training with <laughs> Izzy and yeah. Volkanovsky? Hold on a minute, man. Yeah. Uh, the future of Derek Lewis is no longer a mystery, as it has been announced that he is re-signing with the UFC for an eight-fight contract. Obviously, this is a huge win for Lewis. For the past few days, he's been probably the hottest free agent available, but ultimately he sticks with the organization where he's cemented himself and set records. This does have implications for the PFL, who had to at least kick the tires on the situation as they look to add talent for Francis Ngannou. I don't think so. It seems like everything I've read this week implied that Derek Lewis didn't even listen to PFL's mm. offer. I don't even think he gave them time to like reach out. Um, he just instantly re-signed with the UFC, which... I, we had kind of talked about after that fight was Derek Lewis is a very loyal guy, mm -hmm. right? And, I mean, he's very big on that kind of stuff, and he seems to have a great relationship with Dana yeah, White. have never stiffed him on anything. He's had a great relationship with the, the UFC. Just uh, He's he's a brand guy, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not too surprised here, but a little bit, man. Like, I don't know how you don't at least look at that Francis fight as a little bit of attractiveness, you know, like not even in terms of just the $2 million, right? Because we said, I even told you guys, a guy like, uh, Derek Lewis probably making close to seven figures a fight anyways mm -hmm. you know I mean now you add another million to it even if he's at one right. and that's still a significant amount of money but for me it was the option with the Francis fight is to have sponsors outside of that like you, mm -hmm. you, you see the two million but you're going to make even more money than that right so I think he's just a loyal dude, man. Like I said, everything that I've seen kind of seemed or insinuated that he didn't even listen. He hadn't mm. even talked. He didn't even talk to the PFL. Well, you'd sent that that post where he had liked that Ray Cepho yeah, um, saying from yeah, yeah, like a PFL statement, Something which big was that could have just been like one little like have little, fun with yeah, it. a little leverage type of thing. Maybe, but, I, um, maybe and, he did, and he could have had talks with him and just. Outside of the two million, you know, like we said, maybe the UFC was like, "Hey, we'll give you a million for the next eight fights." Right. And PFL was like, "Well, we can only do two million for this fight, and we'll figure it." Out. I don't know. We right. Don't That's know, what I was gonna say. I wonder if this means that he's maybe looking into fighting longer and not just you know one more. I just don't. And know. maybe he feels like you know you know he had a lot to say building up into this fight about being more healthy and stuff like that. Yeah. And maybe he feels like this is like, oh, well, I can carry this on, you know, back to another title shot or something. I don't know. I don't know either. But, I mean, yeah, if he was getting, you know, even if he was getting like 500K to show, 500K to win, if you're giving him a million flat no matter what happens, yeah, fight eight more times because that's $8 million. I just hope at the end of the day, he, I mean, as long as he's paid and happy, I mean, good right. for him. I, mean, I did see on Twitter he did a uh, like a little commercial for Manscaped. Yeah, I saw that. that was, it was really funny. Um, UFC 292 had an unfortunate chunk of bad luck in the form of injuries. Yeah. Saturday night, it was reported that Cody Garbrandt is out of his fight against Mario Batista. And as of now, I don't think Mario has been uh, got a replacement opponent I haven't yet. Seen anything. Um, and then earlier this week, Jeff Neal was announced to be out of his fight with Ian Machado Gary. Luckily, Gary didn't have to wait for his replacement, as fate would have it. The guy he originally called out after his last fight, Neil Magny, is stepping in on short notice to fight him. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it you know, more on Friday's live show, obviously. But, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, sometimes things in MMA just work out <laughs> right. the way they were supposed to. And, uh, yeah, we'll get more into that on Friday. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and some quick boxing news. World champion Clarissa Shields will be continuing her journey into MMA as she signs a multi-fight deal with PFL MMA. Her previous stint in PFL, she had a record of one in one. Yeah. So it seems like although she is still boxing, she wants to still give MMA its run. 
Um, we now know Logan Paul's opponent for his next X-Series card. He'll be facing Dylan Danis, and he'll be serving as a double main event alongside KSI and Tommy Fury. Yeah, interesting uh, back and forth this week between Logan and Jake Paul mm-hmm. on uh, Logan's Impulsive podcast. I don't know if everybody saw it, but essentially, you know, which it was interesting, right? Because be back when they announced Logan or uh, Jake versus Nate, I had even said then, like, well, Logan was just saying that he was going to fight Nate. He mm-hmm. told Ariel Hawani right before WrestleMania that Nate was next. Remember, and everybody was going nuts. And then, you know, two weeks later, Nate backs out and takes Jake. Um, and then it seemed like it kind of aired itself out on his podcast a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and then the whole prime situation of them not letting prime uh, Logan bring anything prime into the uh, Diaz Paul fight because mm-hmm. they were sponsored by Celsius drinks and right. all this other stuff. And they have like their little both sides of it and stuff. And, and I told you guys um, to me, mm-hmm. everything in this business is a work, right? Like it, is there some truth behind that and maybe some frustrations? Yeah. But I think being a guy like me and you, like two guys that grew up as professional wrestling fans, um, some of the best stories in professional wrestling did have a little truth behind them, right? That's mm-hmm. why we don't know if the Montreal screw job was true or not. <laughs> right. Because it was real life beef, right? Yeah. And they just took it like, hey. And then Vince, that's kind of what the Attitude Era was. Like even the Stone Colts are like, hey, you got grievances? Like the CM Punk pipe bomb. We're just going to take him out on the stage and just let him play out. We'll right. have fun with it. Um, so is there real issues between Logan and Jake, or maybe some tensions behind some of this stuff. Absolutely. My prediction is we're probably going to get a Logan Paul versus Jake Paul WrestleMania match. And that's probably, this is probably the Mm. early seeds of what is being planted. So don't be shy. You know, everybody's like talking about them boxing each other and maybe it goes into that. I mean, maybe they would, they're brothers, you know, Mm -hmm. go out and punch each other and be good afterwards maybe. Uh, But I feel like what we're going to see is more of maybe this building into a WWE storyline of you took everything because even Jake was like, or Logan was like, when do I get my moment? I'm tired of everybody taking Mm -hmm. everything from me and, you know, this and that. And uh, so for you know, maybe the WWE wants to try to move Logan into like a baby face and Jake can come in as this heel that everybody hates to try to put Logan over more. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying everything's a work. So don't be surprised yeah. when next March we're talking about them in a WrestleMania match. And like, there's some there's some interesting things because people brought up how Dylan Danis has done a lot of I'll fight people and then sure. doesn't. I did see Logan Paul put out a thing yeah. like, per their contract. If he drops out for an injury, they have to have a doctor verify yes. that. And if he doesn't, he has to pay them $100,000. $100, yeah, so. Which he does not have what he says. So. Right. So, um, I, and then obviously KSI and Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury had recently beat Jake Paul. KSI wow. saying if he beats him, he wants Jake Paul. Yeah. In a boxing match, so. Yeah, and that's, yeah, I don't know. Even, like, what, but even going back to that, like, the whole, like, you know, Jake saying, like, you like to play both sides. It's like, this literally sounds like a wrestling, pro- like, I've heard mm-hmm. this wrestling storyline play out in the WWE before, like, ter- two brothers, and yeah. they start beefing. You know? And then Dylan Danis was sharing pictures of Logan Paul's, Jeez, is yeah. it fiance? Yeah, something like with that, or like, wife. With, like, Leonardo know. or somebody, and then... Tom the, Brady. Or, yeah, and then Logan Paul sends a cease and desist to Dylan Danis about posting yeah. her picture. So this is all getting kind of crazy. Hey, he's got to show up, man. Like, yeah. as soon as it was announced, I think I sent it to you guys, I was like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, he's backed out, I think it was last two 
two. And Connor fights. did say he's training him for this. So well, we'll see. Uh, lastly, uh, as we kind of talked about earlier, Anthony Joshua had a fight this weekend. He knocked out Robert Hellenius in the seventh round with a huge one punch knockout. Uh, Joshua was a little bit busted up himself in the fight, but ultimately was way too much. Afterwards, Joshua made a comment about having back problems for holding up the heavyweight division by himself. Uh, also, welcome a fight with Deontay Wilder. Worth noting, Wilder also beat the same opponent, but he beat him with a first round knockout. Uh, also, after the fight, you had Conor McGregor just like running up to Anthony Joshua Give with a yeah, with a that. beer and like making him drink it, and uh, that just was an, interesting. yeah, interesting night for uh, Conor McGregor there. But um, huge win for Anthony Joshua, who's kind of trying to get back to the Tyson Furies and uh, bigger names of the world. And uh, just some quick uh, who's number one news as well. Nicholas Marigali defeated uh, Kynan Duarte via mounted head and arm choke. Uh, good showing by Marigali. You know, I thought uh, Duarte was really going to dominate, you know, in the wrestling. And um, he had some good moments. And then I think Marigali, though, did pretty well in that aspect. But not super shocked to see. I felt like it was a, it was kind of a, either guy could win this match in a sense, but, uh, you know, I, I did feel like Marigali would win and he did, uh, Dante Leone defeated Ethan Krellenstein via rear naked choke. Dante wins the W W and O, uh, lightweight title. Uh, I did not see that match, so I can't comment on it. Um, Felipe Pena defeating Heisem Rita via rear naked choke. Uh, our boy Heisem, uh, taking the loss here, uh, had some pretty good moments, but I mean, dude, again, like Philippe is just like one of the best grapplers mm. in the world. Um, this was always a tough matchup for Heisem, right? Um, who's you know had some some performances lately, um, had a hard time finding you know get, but he's still learning and he's just now getting introduced to this B team stuff. And I mean, I think I saw even uh, Craig Jones saying like you know there's still a lot of holes that they need to work out in Heisem's mm. game. So you know nothing here to you know. Bad, you know, when you're going against Felipe Pena, it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're literally facing the top guys in the world, and he's still relatively new to Nogi. So that as he I, keeps on progressing, man, it's gonna. And, and I think for a guy like Heisem, it's like just take what you can, keep facing these guys, and it's got to be his focus is all about ADCC next year, mm -hmm. and I, I'm sure that's where his mind is, like. Right just preparing for that and getting the toughest matches possible to find what he needs to work on. And, and luckily like you that. get to train with some of the best guys in the world every day as well. And then lastly, Nikki Ryan returning, defeating Renee Souza via unanimous decision. A good return match here for Nikki. Uh, looked pretty good. Tough night overall though for B team there taking a couple losses. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, good, good return there for Nikki. Glad to see him back. Hope he can stay healthy, but man, that dude's, if there's somebody that has worse knees than me in jujitsu, it's probably <laughs> Nikki Ryan at yeah. this point. Uh, song of the week is going to be Damian Marley. Welcome to Jam Rock. Nice. Such a banger. You can't beat that. Love that song. Uh, John, what's your one for the people? Uh, my one for the people is actually my oldest nephew starting football. Amir, he's starting football. Nice. He's playing for Taylor Middle School. But they're looking for sponsors. So I'm going to do a small sponsorship in the name of Neon Belly Podcast <laughs> to help get them jerseys. <laughs> They need jerseys. Yeah, to get new jerseys for this because they only got like they only got like two teams or something. That's funny. What? How much is it? Five hundred. I mean, you can literally give whatever you want. So I'm just going to uh, find a number and I'm going to put it under our name. So gotcha. Neon Belly Podcast will be sponsoring Taylor Middle School football. There you go. I love it. Uh, my one for the people. Kickback this Friday. Mm -hmm. Cannot wait. Make sure you come. Get in the live chat. Show up early. Listen to some beats by John. Yeah. Uh, and let's just have some fun, man. I'm really excited for this pay-per-view this Saturday. Um, we will start at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as always, uh, we will put all that information, day of, links, and everything in our uh, IG stories on Instagram, at Neon Belly Podcast. So make sure you come. Drop in. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Mm -hmm. But in terms of the weekly episode, we will be back next Monday to recap UFC 292 and get you set up. Is it Max and Zombie next? Yeah. Yeah. The At 8 o'clock in the morning in Singapore. Yeah, so. so come back for that. We'll get you set up with our picks <laughs> and predictions and recap UFC 292. Love you guys. See you then. Peace. Peace.